Yeehaw, brother, we're going down to the south today where Swamp Dweller is native and runs wild with the Florida man. Yes, indeed, we're sharing some allegedly true southern horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the reddit r slash thedarkswamp. Be sure to tombstone pile drive that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for some creepy and allegedly true southern horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Remote Ozark Nightmare by Matt Hi, how is everyone in the swamp? My name is Mac. I'm a 17-year-old guy from southern Missouri in the mighty Ozark Mountains. This story took place in June of 2021 when I was 16 years old. It was the weekend and none of my friends had anything to do, so we decided to camp in a remote part of the mountains. Everyone who came along on this little trip was me, my friends Lola and Jude, my girlfriend Mariah, and her little sister Meadow, who just turned 13. So sometime around 5pm on a warm Friday evening, we packed everything we needed in my truck and headed to our campsite. It took us about 30 minutes to get there, but once we did we pitched the tent, started a fire, and started having fun, and just joked around with the occasional scary story. For a little context on our personalities, I'm kind of a quiet guy, but I'm quick to grab my pistol if I feel like people I care about are in danger. Lola is somewhere between a hot-headed blonde and the most loyal friend you could have, and she laughs at all my jokes. Jude, on the other hand, is, like me, quiet, but he's more willing to hide than fight when things go down. Mariah is an adorable girl who's not over-affectionate, but she doesn't have to say I love you or I got you to know she's not going anywhere, and Meadow is your typical preteen girl. Shy and quiet, but she is very caring, and you're guaranteed to feel better after talking with her. Anyway, back to the story. So we are by the fire, having a damn good time doing pretty much nothing. Then suddenly we hear something hitting up against a tree. It sounded like somebody hitting the side of a tree with a big wooden bat. What the heck is that? I said quietly. Go check it out, Mac, Lola said, pointing in the direction the sound came from. I sent Mac out there. Jude asked. Because he's the only one of us who brought a gun, Lola answered. And it's true. No one else brought any type of protection other than me getting my twenty-two. Looking back, that was stupid because a twenty-two can't do diddly squat against a big animal. After a couple of minutes, the noise stopped and everybody was on edge. Especially poor little Meadow, who was holding on to Mariah's left arm like her life depended on it. Mariah tried her best to comfort her, but everything she said seemed hopeless. We all decided to go to bed early and forget it even happened. We weren't supposed to be back home until Sunday morning, and this was only Friday night. We were planning on doing some fishing in the creek, hiking the remote mountain ranges, and enjoying the day tomorrow. So that you know, we set up four tents, one for each of us, but we didn't bring a fifth tent because A, Meadow didn't want to sleep alone, so she slept in Mariah's tent, and B, it wouldn't fit in the damn truck anyway. And by the way, all our tents were about 15 feet away from each other in a single file line. After tossing and turning for hours, I eventually fell asleep and sometime around 1am I was once again awoken because I had to pee very badly. I walked about 30 feet from the campsite so nobody could hear me peeing and got the idea to investigate. I was not very much dressed, only wearing my shorts. 
because I like to sleep with as little bit as possible because I get very hot. I didn't want anybody to see me. After a minute, I found a good enough tree and let her rip. While peeing, I saw something move in the darkness. And the first thing I thought was, oh crap, it's a bear. But I suddenly realized this thing was walking on two legs. It was damn near eight feet tall. It stopped walking when it saw me, and it just stared at me until I was done and went back to my tent. When I returned to my tent, I noticed that Mariah was awake and I told her that I think I saw a Bigfoot in the woods. She didn't believe me, of course. She realized Meadow would be scared to death as she didn't see her when she woke up. So she went back to her tent immediately. Not even a moment later, she jumped back into my tent and looked like she had just seen a ghost. She stuttered. What? I asked. She pointed at the entrance of the tent without saying another word. I looked outside the tent and saw the same Bigfoot creature 20 feet away from the tent. I grabbed my 22 and told Mariah to act like we were asleep. She agreed against her better judgment and we woke up early the following day to a beautiful sunrise, birds chirping and no sign of a Bigfoot. Until we got ready to go on a hike. Lola kept nagging us to keep up until she stopped in her tracks and looked down at the ground and she yelled out, Guys, look at this! Everyone rushed to see where she was and we saw a huge footprint. I'm a size 11 and this thing seemed to be at least twice the size. Meadow could lie down in it almost and the print would be longer than hers by a long shot. Sure enough, our little camping trip turned into a heated debate on whether or not we should go Bigfoot hunting in the most remote part of the Ozarks. None of us could agree on what to do, so we compromised. Lola and I would go looking for more evidence while Jude, Mariah, and Meadow stayed at the campsite. Lola and I walked for nearly two hours and saw nothing Bigfoot related. Not even another set of footprints. No broken trees or anything. On our way back, I started singing Neil Young songs, which I knew would drive Lola nuts because she hates my singing. Or she hates poetry, one of the two. We were almost back at the campsite when we heard a roar coming from behind us, probably about 50 or 60 feet away. We saw a large Bigfoot running right towards us. Lola and I got our asses in gear and ran until we got back to the campsite. We were both out of breath when we returned and I had trouble explaining everything. B Bigfoot running roar loud huge gotta go now was all I was able to say before almost passing out. Meadow had no trouble believing us and she was ready to leave. Jude was nervous but he said he didn't hear anything and he needed more convincing apparently. He started walking back the way we came while the girls and I loaded everything in the truck. He came running back full speed and flew in the truck when he saw what we had. I looked at him and asked, You saw it, huh? Yeah. He said quietly, almost a whisper. We recently revisited that spot a few months ago with some new friends and for whatever reason, Bigfoot apparently decided to leave. I'm sure to bring something more substantial than a 22 whenever I go camping nowadays. And I've learned to always, and I mean always, be aware of my surroundings. Hey Swamp Folk, today's episode is sponsored by our good friends at HelloFresh. Now, if you don't know what HelloFresh is, they bring you farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Subscribe to HelloFresh and check save money off your fall to-do list. HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too. It's time to 
to cozy up and save money by cooking at home. Fall is the perfect time to experience the delicious taste and unparalleled convenience of HelloFresh. So what are you waiting for? Join me and many others in the swamp today. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Swamped65 and use code Swamped65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Swamped65 and use code Swamped65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Attacked by Dogman by Anonymous I live in southern Ohio near the Ohio River. A few friends and I decided to explore the abandoned hospital that backed up to a giant hill and large forest across the river in Maysville, Kentucky. It was a local spot for dumb teenagers to go and scare each other and play grab-ass with their girlfriends. So running into other people wasn't uncommon, but you could usually tell if other people were there because there would be cars parked near it. That being said, we were the only dumb teenagers there on this particular night. The moment we got out of the car, though, everything felt wrong. We knew we weren't allowed to be there because the building was condemned, but this felt like we were in danger. Of course, we were always technically in danger because of it being condemned, but it just felt different. By this point, I had been to Hazelwood Hospital 20 times and was pretty familiar with the layout. Once the three of us had gotten inside, we had been there for roughly 45 minutes when we split up to tag some different places and explore. I went to take pictures of the morgue in the basement to see if I could photograph any orbs or anything remarkable. I had been in the morgue for roughly 10 minutes when I smelled the foulest scent I have ever smelled. It was rot. I don't know what it was that was rotting. I imagined it was some sort of dog or coyote, but all I could make out was a massive, heaping pile of rotting meat with maggots crawling in and out of it. I had just started to look at the meat junk when I heard the slam of a steel door and what sounded like running through puddles of water, which meant whatever it was, it was in the basement with me because the floor had about three inches of water standing in it. Naturally, I figured it was one of my friends playing a prank on me. That was when I decided to get them back and scare them before they could scare me. Now, the way the morgue was set up, you could climb on top of the coolers they used to store the bodies. So I hopped up there and laid in wait to scare the heck out of my friends. And I had been there for a minute when I heard screaming. I've known my friends my entire life, which at this point had been 19 years. I've never heard screaming like this. The screaming stopped and I heard hard footsteps running above me which I can best describe as pounding. Now, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't freaking out a little bit because this wasn't like my friend. It was usually hidden behind a corner and jump out and be like, gotcha. This was different. This was dread I was starting to feel. As I continued to lay there, about five minutes passed when I heard panting and footsteps in the water. They were getting closer. That was when I smelled wet dog. But it wasn't just damp dog. I was sensing that same smell of rot too. Then another steel door slammed and I could tell it was the same door I passed before I got to the morgue. The panting was even louder now. It sounded like labored breathing and sniffing. Now at this point I'm terrified. I'm slowly trying to back away from the edge of the cooler I'm on so I can slip behind the wall and be a little bit more relaxed with my back up against the boiler room. I'm almost to the end of the cooler when I hear the morgue door slam open and break the tiles on the wall with the door handle. I'm less than 35 feet from whatever is panting and smelling like death, and all I can do to think is run in my head. I could hear the sniffing, and then I listened to the deepest, most menacing growl I'd ever heard in my life. 
The movies and shows don't do justice to how deep and rough a growl of this size really sound. It was sniffing me out, and it smelled like I had been found. The way it was sniffing in the air, it just seemed like it honed in on me. I dropped down behind the wall in the boiler room, and I thanked God that the door that connected the morgue to it was blocked with old gurneys and a locker on its side, which I thought would stop this thing from getting in. I was wrong. So awfully wrong. I hadn't been in the boiler room for more than 30 seconds before I heard the pounding and scratching on the steel door. It sounded like Freddy Krueger was trying to carve his way through the steel door. Then I listened to the sound that still haunts me to this day. It howled and bellowed so loud I had to cover my ears. Now, on the other side of the boiler room was the access to the generator and the dock doors trucks used to unload and the hillside that leads to the woods. When I reached the other side of the room, I could hear this thing slamming into the door and knocking on the lockers and gurneys. I opened the door to the dock room, and when I looked back, I saw the arm of this creature sticking out through the opening it had made. And it was like a horror movie. It was a gray and brown mass of fur, but it looked like a human arm. But it didn't at the same time, because the hand was all wrong. The writhing hand had five digits, but the claws made them look almost bear-like... But fused with the human, it's hard to explain. I slammed the door behind me and ran for the dock doors. The dock doors wouldn't budge, and I could hear the gurneys overturning and the lockers sliding on the floor. It was getting through, and the only thing between me and it now was a single door. I ran to one of the windows by the dock doors and proceeded to bust it out, which mangled my hand from the glass. Then, as I was pulling myself through the window, I heard the door get slammed, and one of the hinges completely flew off the door and hit the wall. I tumbled out the window and hit the cold, wet ground. When I stood up, I saw it in the doorway. Now, I'm 6'4", 250 pounds, not little by any means, and this thing took up the entire opening of an 8-foot-tall, 3-foot-wide doorway. It was covered head-to-toe in gray-brown fur, and it had a very, very narrow snout, almost like a Doberman pincher, and its ears were barely visible because of the doorway. But I could tell they were pointing up just like a dog. I could not believe what I was seeing, and I was completely paralyzed. This thing was staring into my soul, looking at every delicious part it would enjoy. I've never felt like an item on a menu before, but I can tell you in that moment, it was terrifying. Then it snarled, which woke me up from disbelief at what I saw. I turned up the hill into the woods to get around the hospital and back to the street where the car was parked. I hadn't made it 25 feet when I heard it clawing to get out of the window. I knew I would never make it to the car this way. So I ran back towards the hospital where the fire escape ladder was. I had used the ladder before climbing back to the roof to take pictures of the entire town. I completely skipped the first three rungs on the ladder that was now inside the enclosed part of the fire escape. Again, this thing howled, and I could feel waves of pure terror filling my body. My hand was killing me at this point, and I was getting blood on everything. And just as I reached the first floor window, I could climb into this thing and slammed into the fire escape ladder knocking me down a couple of rungs. It leaped onto the outside of the fire escape and began clawing at my feet. I felt as if I had reached... I felt if I just could reach the window, everything would be okay. The pain I felt was like nothing I had ever experienced. It had grabbed me just above my ankle and yanked, and in doing so, shredded my boot and the end of my jeans and my flesh. I could pull myself into the first floor window and I heard it push itself onto the fire escape. I heard that it was coming back the way it came. Now I'm dragging my left leg and trying to keep my right hand in my hoodie pocket. The entrance we came in from was about 150 feet away down the main hall and around a left turn. Halfway down the hall, I hear the steel doors slamming again. I'm dragging myself down the hall, just trying to stay focused on getting out of this hellhole. 
Then the howling starts again and I can hear it getting closer. I make the turn and hear the pounding coming up the stairs from the basement. I make it to the entrance and hear the padding of hands and feet on the floor. I made the mistake of looking back just as it rounded the corner and it was running on all fours like a natural dog. I bolted down the hill towards the street where the car was parked and realized the car was gone. They had left me. My only way of escape was gone. I just zoned out and kept running down the hill. My leg was throbbing, my hand was in agony, and I thought I would be dog kibble at any second. Finally, I made it to the first house I could find, ran full force into the door, and began pounding on it like a crazy person. Thank God this little old lady was home. Because she opened the door, I fell inside, and just before I kicked the door closed, this monster stood up on two legs at the end of her driveway. I broke down in tears and didn't know what to do. Luckily, the old lady had called the cops because a crazy person who was bleeding everywhere just fell into her home. When the cops got there and asked me what happened, I told them everything I had seen, and of course they didn't believe a word. They thought I was on drugs. The EMTs took me to a hospital, and when they did blood work and found no substance in my system, they concluded a wild dog had attacked me. I ended up with 36 stitches on my leg and 17 on my hand, and I had to get a rabies shot and tell the local wildlife officer my story. He informed me that they had reports of wild dog packs running outside of town, ransacking garbage cans, and killing some of the local pets. I told him a hundred times it was not a wild pack of dogs. It was a giant dog man. But they all thought I was crazy. The only thing I had in my favor was the claw mark on my leg. Even the doctors were confused about how a wild dog could make a mark like that. Now, you know my story. And you see why we are not at the top of the food chain. At least, not how we thought we were. I've never been back to Hazelwood Hospital and deterred anyone from going there. That experience has haunted me for the last 11 years and has made me into an overcautious person. Someone Followed Me Home by Cranky Novelist I am a 26-year-old female and this happened after a few months of getting the job I have now. I was 23 years old at the time, I'm also autistic, which basically means that social cues and any cues in general can be pretty difficult for me to pick up on. I'm pretty sure this is why it took me a while to realize exactly what was going on in this situation. It started after I'd left work. It had been around 8 when we were finally leaving. We close at 6, but sometimes it takes quite a while to close down the entire store. It had been a long day and I had ended up going to a Dollar General about two and a half miles from my house to pick up some things for my mom. Nothing strange started happening until I left the parking lot. Some info about the road the Dollar General is on, it's a long two-lane road with about a mile and a half of farmland on either side. The last mile before my neighborhood has various neighborhoods branching off of it. Once you turn onto this particular road, it is the only road for almost 5 miles, which is why I didn't immediately think the person driving behind me was all that weird. I thought they were just on their way home just like I was. Most of my neighbors are retired elderly people. It was 8 at night in November, most of them would probably have been home at this point. I parked in my driveway, kind of thinking nothing of it. I thought one of my sisters had probably come home to finish out the rest of the week of classes at home online. They were both at college at this point and it was the peak of the pandemic. I parked next to my brother's truck. It had actually surprised me a little that he had made it home before me. The car behind me pulled in a little, backed up, and then left. Only then did the seriousness of this situation actually sink in. Someone I didn't know had followed me home. I couldn't tell the model or year of the car based off the headlights. It was older and low to the ground. 
I walked inside feeling numb and kind of freaked out. I haven't been followed since then and I have started taking a different way home. It scares me to know what they wanted to do. I don't know why they would just follow me like that and then turn around the moment that I got home. I still feel panic every so often. I hope that nobody tries to rob me anytime soon or anything like that. Creepy Vibes from a Stranger in the Projects by Guillotine Christ Back in 2015, my family and I moved to a small Alabama town. We previously lived in a rural Alabama town before moving into this one. My mom and stepdad couldn't find any available housing, so we moved to the projects. Living in the projects wasn't so bad at first, but there was a lot of shady things happening there after dark. Drug dealing and domestic violence happened just about every single day. One of the worst things that ever happened when we were living there was when an elderly woman got stabbed to death right in front of our house. The elderly woman had just won the lottery, and one of her neighbors found out, knocked on her door, and stabbed her to death. Then, turned the heat on full blast. I remember the police went around and asked everyone what they knew. Nobody knew anything, though. A few days later, they caught the person that murdered the elderly woman. If anybody is interested, I can provide a link. It made the news. I remember driving past the crime scene and seeing the elderly woman's body on a mattress on the side of the road. One night, I was sitting on the front porch and eating some raisinets. Then out of nowhere, I heard a man say, Hey man, can I come chill with you till my homies pick me up? It was a middle-aged man. He seemed kind of normal, I guess. He was like 5'8 in height, a little bit chubby, and he introduced himself as homie. Not wanting to be mean, I said, uh, Sure, I don't mind. He asked me how I was doing in school and what my grades were like. Throughout our conversation, I saw that he kept reaching for something in his shorts pocket. My gut told me that I was fixing to die. So I ended the conversation and told him, Well, I'm going to go inside and take a shower. He replied with, I hit me up sometime. I got Zambars. This man made my danger radar go off like a car alarm. There is a major street gang in this town, and I'm pretty sure that homie was probably one of them. A year later, my family moved to a safer town in Georgia, luckily. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true southern horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. I don't know about you folks, but the South is a beautiful place that I think everybody should visit once in their life at the very least. But just like anywhere, it's downright dangerous. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's from the South or somewhere else, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Be sure to punch that like button like it just called your mother fat and be sure to subscribe if you're new to the swamp. I upload new episodes almost every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories, be sure to download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Don't forget to give us a 5-star ratings on those platforms as it helps us grow. Thank you guys as always for supporting the Swamp. If you made it all the way to the end, be sure to comment the code word Slithering Serpent so I know you made it. And I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.